Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a series of honest conversations about opportunities, challenges, and joy in ministry today. These episodes are inspired by interactions with ministry leaders from across the country as they explore possibilities, learn from broad perspectives, take risks, and cultivate candid discussions that generate disruptive creativity. Friends, hello. This is Mark Ramsey, Executive Director of the Ministry Collaborative. Today, I've got the great opportunity to talk to Dr. William Watley, who's been Senior Pastor at St. Philip's AME Church in Atlanta for the last 11 years with a distinguished career before and during that time, and his daughter, the Reverend Jennifer Watley-Maxell, who is also, of course, on the Ministry Collaborative team. Uh, Hello to both of you. Hey, Mark. Good to be here. Hello. How are you? Good, good. We want to really talk about two areas of ministry, the first being vocational discernment. Dr. Wiley, can you tell me what that term means to you, vocational discernment? Well, vocational discernment is the process by which you come to a conclusion about the area of ministry that God has called you to be involved in. Vocational discernment is not necessarily a lifetime decision. We can feel led to do certain things in our ministry for certain seasons, but the call to ministry is fundamental. Have you found that change throughout your life? Has your vocational discernment shifted over time? Yes, in a number of ways. The Lord has blessed me to pastor, and then for a certain season, I was a college administrator, and then for a certain season, was involved full-time in ecumenical work. I was the associate general secretary, consultation on church union, and represented my denomination in that office in a number of venues in terms of National Council and World Council of Churches, and then was led to return to the pastorate, bringing to the pastorate the rich experiences and exposure that I received as I functioned vocationally in several other areas. Jennifer, how do you take the same question? And, and I'm interested, particularly if generationally this has changed, what's the same, what's different? Yeah, when I think of vocational discernment, I really focus on, to me, it's first discerning what your call is and what you consider kind of your greater life's work and your purpose in the world. And then that, to me, then kind of bleeds into the task that that takes. I think generationally, for me, what has formed so much of my understanding of vocational discernment has been that kind of up-close, firsthand witness of my dad's vocational path. Mm -hmm. For me, I feel like I have a much more entrepreneurial view of ministry. I don't see ministry as being a pastor or being an author. I see it as an amalgamation of different 
vocational things that one can be doing at the same time or different times, but it is that call, your greater life's work in the world, that is the thread that goes between all these different vocational jobs. Those are both, I think, incredibly wise descriptions of it. How do we know when we know? How do we differentiate, this is a call from God to go do this, and what's just the rumbling in my stomach because I haven't had lunch yet or something? How do we separate those? I think that the basis for victory in whatever one does evolves out of one's own personal spiritual life. To me, that is the foundation for both our fulfillment and our frustrations. That what often happens, or what sometimes happens, is that we hit a plateau and we start looking for other things that give us fulfillment, since where we are no longer does that. But it seems to me that an ongoing relationship with the Lord is key to ascertaining as to whether this is something I'm led to do or this is something I just feel like I need to do to keep from burning out from where I am. Mm. And I might say, you know, I've been trying to preach the Lord's gospel now for about 58 years. I've been a pastor for 48 years. One of the things that I've been consistently challenged is to maintain a consistent personal life with the Lord because we break up with a to-do list. And if we're not feeling particularly close to God ourselves at the moment, we may not be inclined to uh, come into his presence Mm. and to neglect that. And so what often happens is that we become so involved in other things that the only time we really consult the word is that when it's time to preach a sermon or time for public proclamation or performance. But it seems to me that a consistent, viable relationship with the Lord is the key. And when I say viable, any relationship has its ups and downs. So it means that we do have the kind of uh, openness that Job and Jeremiah had when they said, you know, I really got a problem with this, Mm -hmm. and I really don't understand this. But all of that is part of building a genuine relationship with God. Yeah, I would agree with all of that. And I think one of the outcomes of having that relationship is a knowledge of self where you start to understand and see yourself as God sees you. And I think when you start to understand and see yourself as God sees you, it helps you to identify what is in alignment with your call and your purpose and what isn't. And I think when you are guided by that in the decisions you make, as opposed to the job that you have, I know in seminary, so many people are so focused on taking off the requirements to get the degree, to get the job. 
that they never really stop to ask themselves, what is God calling me specifically to do in the whole vocation of ministry in general? Mm. And, you know, what does that look like? And so I think that as we engage in that devotional life, for me, I came into ministry at the age of 40. And so for me, ministry is my third career, but I came in with a wealth of knowledge and experiences, not just of those other careers, but also of myself Mm. that has been very helpful in knowing where to go and what to do. But again, it comes out of that type of relationship that is nurtured over time daily and that intimacy with God. I appreciate that both of you are referring to sort of the core of, uh, Dr. Watley, as you said, an openness to God in the ups and downs, and Jennifer, a knowledge of self. It seems to me that one of the things that works against us in any type of discernment right now, let alone vocational discernment, are the myriad of distractions culturally and anxiety and temptation. You know, there's always a temptation to climb the mountain we want to climb and not the place that God has given to us. How do you counsel others who are coming to you? Because I know you both are engaged in deep conversations with folks when they are wrapped up in distraction and or anxiety and or temptation to go their own way. What's your counsel to them? Dr. Watley, why don't we start with you? Well, when I first sensed that God was calling me. I went to some of my elders. I sometimes feel like I'm God steps out. I don't have any great conversion stories. (laughs) Didn't see any lights, hear any angels, no burning bushes, no wet fleeces and dry grounds, etc. And so I would ask them, how do you know when you called? And they would say, if you called, you just know it. Mm. And what they were saying, and what I often tell people, is that if it will not let you go, Hmm. that no matter what you do, what you say, that there is something that keeps nagging at you and a sense of fulfillment that you are not expressing, then at some point you say yes and if there is a peace that settles in your spirit, I will not embarrass my daughter, hopefully. <laughs> I sense Jennifer's call to ministry decades before she did. Because as a teenager, I saw her building her own devotional life and her own Bible study. And as I began to observed her from the pulpit, and along with that, I would tell her she was called, and she was not as open and responsive to my uh, sound, godly wisdom. Like the way you described that. As she proved to be in years (laughs) to come. And so if there is in a person's life this nagging feeling that won't let you go, then that may be God's calling upon your life. Unless you get some sort of visible uh, representation, which has not been my privilege. Jennifer, I'm going to give you equal time to characterize your... (laughs) Yeah, a lot of times what I will do when people come to me with those questions 
is I'll just kind of help to still the noise and the distraction. Mm. I find that a lot of times people do have that sense. They do have that passion. They do have that inkling in a certain direction, but either because of circumstances or distraction, fear, they're not willing to go towards it. I think for me, one of the things that characterizes it, in addition to that thing that won't let you go, it's the thing that energizes you and gives you life when you Mm -hmm. engage in it. Mm -hmm. That even when you have to invest long periods of time, even when you're tired, even when, you know, the people you're dealing with are getting on your nerves, when you're involved in it, it pours back into you. And that it gives you a type of enthusiasm and a joy, you know, that joy that the world can't give that we talk about when you're engaged in it. And I think sometimes that people don't pay enough attention to that. We're so distracted by the problem child. We're so distracted by ticking off the boxes and the job. We're so distracted trying to fix what's not going right that I think sometimes people completely overlook that thing in their life they're engaged in that is bringing them joy and life. And that really is a gift from God. Culture serves up to us lots of shiny things that we are attracted to. And I think, Jennifer, you're exactly right. If we go toward that, we find the energy lasts a nanosecond and then dissipates. And I think a true call, as both of you are talking, is something that is much deeper, has much greater staying power. Often we can't get away from it because it won't let us go. And then the energy rises, which leads us really to the second thing I want to talk about, which is so closely related. In fact, you've already both been talking about it, which is spiritual formation. I think we have a crisis of spiritual formation right now. I think we have a crisis of understanding and working on who we are and whose we are. Dr. Watley, how do you see spiritual formation today? And what are the challenges to men and women really devoting themselves to spiritual formation? I think one of the challenges is looking at successful role models and believing that you're called to be what you see in terms of success. And as I pointed out, the whole notion of being still as doing nothing in a culture that constantly pushes us to be involved can also be a challenge. And sometimes we forget that the essence of the faith is to be countercultural. And so to look at models of success and to say that that's who I want to be, if we are not quiet and if we do not find a sense of peace and joy and fulfillment in another way Mm. can be a challenge. When I think about spiritual formation, I think part of what the challenge has been is that in the church, when we think of spiritual formation, we think of it as church activities and something that happens within the walls of the church instead of a lifelong journey that is fed by and feeds into every aspect of our lives. I was talking recently to a colleague and they said, you just think about something so totally different. And I said, well, so much of my formation did not happen in a church. 
because I was working on a college campus and I worked in a corporate environment and I did all these other things. Well, just because I wasn't working in ministry didn't mean I wasn't being spiritually formed. Mm. And I think sometimes when we are helping people, we don't really help them connect the dots to the ways that deep formation is happening in every aspect of their lives. When they are walking with a family member who is ill, sitting by their bedside and praying with them and talking with them, that is a deep way of spiritual formation that I think a lot of people overlook. And I think we in the church don't help people connect the dots. Jennifer, what this is a broad question, but as you think about these areas of spiritual formation and vocational discernment, what's a principal uh, lesson you've learned from the wisdom of your father? So when I went to seminary, I went to him and of course, nervous and everything. I asked him, I said, okay, dad, I want to sit and talk to you. What do I need to do? How do I need to be prepared? What do I need to read? So I show up in his office and I have this nice, fresh legal pad and a pen, two pens actually, in case one went dry because I just knew he was going to give me this wealth of information and knowledge. And he said, you know, more than you think you do, you'll be fine. Wow. I was so disappointed. (laughs) I was like, dude, you've been in ministry for like 40 years and you have taught everywhere and done everything. You don't even have a book to recommend. But I have found that there has been no more profound or true statement in my life. And I think for many people that Holy Spirit that is within us and active in our lives, that is speaking to us every day that we are in communion with, that's it. If we can tap into it and trust that, mm-hmm. we know more than we think we do, we'll be fine. Dr. Wally, I'm going to turn the tables. What's a principal thing that you've learned from the wisdom of your daughter? I've learned to be less judgmental and to be open to new understanding of ministry. I am basically a conservative fundamentalist, not a literalist, in terms of my understanding of Scripture. I believe that the church is best when we're countercultural. But if I'm not careful, that can make me narrow-minded. And so hearing Jennifer as she brings new models and ideas means that in many ways, the teacher has now become the student. Well, I'll tell you, you've both offered uh, all our listeners a a really rich storehouse today, and I appreciate it. I think these two issues of vocational discernment and spiritual formation are literally at the core of how we need to struggle today to move forward. And thank you for what you both offered. Thank you. Thank you. This is great. Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation. The Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their communities. Our producer is Marthane Sanders. To find out more about our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org.